welcome to a special edition of the Tar Heel Blog Podcast. We don't have a baseball-specific show, so we'll just call it Between the Bases as a placeholder. The Diamond Heels pulled off an improbable run to the ACC Tournament Championship, culminated by a 10-2 win over Georgia Tech on Sunday. With it, the University of North Carolina has reset the count on major college sports seasons without an ACC title to zero, major college sports being men's and women's basketball, football, and baseball. There's a university in Raleigh whose count is now up to 108. I've got my buddy Jake Lawrence here to talk some road to Omaha. Jake, how are you, sir? Doing great, man. Let's go ahead and do this tonight. I love it. Um, First, anything on the uh, 27-year ACC championship drought for the NC State University Wolfpack? I I thought this was going to be their year. Uh, I don't consider myself with non-rivals, so I have no words on that. I, I was disappointed to not uh, get their hopes up and beat them on uh, Sunday, but, you know, alas. Um, Jake, the Heels <laughs> are the uh, 14 overall seed in the baseball tournament. Um, the way this thing works is that they seed the top 16 seeds. Those teams are the hosts for their four-team regionals. Uh, UNC's got UNCW as the four seed, Liberty is the three, and Tennessee is the two. Um you know, I, I know you don't have any steaming baseball takes, but what was your takeaway seeing that bracket besides they do a really good job of keeping it local? Yeah, other than the, the local flavor, um, I think it's a dangerous bracket for North Carolina. And it would not surprise me to see someone like uh, like Liberty or Tennessee come out of here. So, I mean, Carolina should be the favorite because they're at home, but it is not. I don't think it's going to be an easy an easy struggle for them. Yeah, and if you remember two years ago, uh, Davidson famously knocked them out by beating them not once but, but twice, and that was when UNC was the number two overall seed. Um, I look to UNCW first uh, just because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with UNC's roster, and I know they're a little bit more offense-reliant than they have been in the past. Uh, Gianluca Delatri went down with a season-ending injury. Um, so UNC, I mean, w- would it be fair to say this year that they basically have to outslug people? Um, I think it's fair to say that their weakness has been pitching and defense. So take that for what it's worth. Um, when, when the pitching and defense is working, it's really working. Um, uh, but you know, the, the defense even gave them some scares, uh, this past weekend. You know, the, the dropped, uh, I think it was the, the dropped catch in the outfield, um, late in the game that, that, that gifted Georgia Tech a run. Um, and then some sloppy play hurt them earlier on in the tournament too. So, um, I don't say I won't say they have to outslug people, but if the if the pitching or defense uh, hurts them, then uh, they're not going to have any choice. Yeah, and you know, being that this is the first time we've really done baseball this year, you know, guys like Aaron Sabato, he was the ACC Freshman of the Year, and really adds a power tool to the UNC lineup that you haven't seen in recent vintage. Michael Bush, who's going to be a first round pick in next year's MLB draft as a first baseman and corner outfielder. They, they've really got a deep lineup with uh, Brandon Martirano at catcher and Ike Freeman at shortstop. You know, a bunch of guys that just really do a good job of uh, stringing hits together. And it's been a pretty exciting uh, thing to follow here. Well, I mean, if, if I'm going to be honest, the past couple of weeks. But, um, <laughs> but you know, as far as it goes, is Tyler Baum the uh, quote-unquote Friday starter? Or is he who you would expect to see against uh, UNCW? You know, if you're trying to get off to a good start, then yeah. But, you know, part of me says you save him for Saturday. Um, and 
UNCW should not pose that much of a challenge, should not. We know how baseball works. It's really weird. And I think if you need them, then you go to them later in the game. But I would save them for, for the Saturday game against what's likely going to be Tennessee. Um, when you're, when you have the opportunity to, to, to really put the hammer down, uh, and gain, gain, and, and stay in the, stay in the winner's bracket uh, on that Saturday game. So, um, he could go out Friday and that would make complete sense, but I would not be surprised to see him, see him go out on, on Saturday. Yeah. What kind of concerns me is that, you know, other than that, I mean, Austin Bergner is the only guy that's, uh, started every one of his appearances and his, uh, ERA is up in the mid fives, um, batting average against a 288. So you don't want to be in a situation like two years ago against Davidson where you get down early and the offense kind of feels the squeeze. Um, on the other side, UNCW will probably go with Luke Gessel or Giselle, uh, Five and five, three point one six ERA, uh, two twenty batting average against. Um, appears to limit walks pretty well. Doesn't doesn't really strike guys out. So I guess more of a command pitcher. But I kind of disagree with you in that I think, you know, you kind of get what you can get out of the first game alive, and then the second game is all hands on deck. If you need to basically throw a bullpen game and just play matchups, you can do that and. You know, from there you have to lose two in a row to get knocked out. So I, that's the way I like to play it. But I'm not a college baseball coach, Jake. Well, I'm not either. So we're just here to throw out fan theories and then see what happens. And then the person who's right gets to gro- gets to gloat next weekend. So uh, we'll just go with that. But no, you're not wrong. I mean, there, there, there's there's methods to both both ways of madness. Um, and I think that uh, if anything, we do know that Mike Fox has shown the the propensity to want to play matchups with his constant pitching changes throughout the years. So uh, uh, there, there may be something to what you're saying there as well. Yeah, and what, what's funny to me is on kind of a, you know, taking a step back here, Mike Fox still has a reputation as a guy who wears his pitchers out, which, you know, he might pick some, throw some guys, you know, 30, 40 pitches on back-to-back days, but I've never seen, you know, I've, I've never seen him really bang somebody out for like 120 pitches. I mean, was that a thing back in the Andrew Miller and um Matt Harvey? Yeah, Matt Matt Harvey yeah. and some of those guys, was that a thing back then? You know, it might have been. Um I don't think that reputation is is fully is fully fair, uh but you know, a couple media guides take it and they want to spin a narrative and it's out there. Um I don't think there's been any in any difference with the way that North Carolina's players have developed and then gone on in the pros compared to others. Um, it's just always easy to, to point to when, when you don't hit the success that someone like Mike Fox, you think should have in the postseason, like maybe, a you know, a college world series here or there, or, uh, along those lines, a couple of have slipped through their fingers. Um, people will always want to point to a reason, a boogeyman, and it's, it's really hard to win national championships. So I, I don't think there's really anything there, especially now when you look at the way they brought the analytics into it. Uh, and they've really been on the forefront of that for the college baseball, um, for the sport of college baseball. Uh, and I that think that's going to be my next that, question. So preach. Yeah. I mean, the, the way they use that, and, and I don't know exactly how they use it, but you can, you, we have seen a, a change in the way that they, uh, they manage games and the way they use pitchers and the way they use batters and, uh, and the way that they use it to inform and to teach and develop. Uh, it really is, uh, really, really interesting. And I think that's, that may have shaped some of, some of the, the, the more recent, uh, seasons that we've seen. So I don't think that that should really be, I don't think that's a thing, um, to, to, to be as blunt as possible. I just don't, I think it's an easy thing to pick at, but the bottom line is 
winning national championships are really hard, and Mike Fox always has the team in it, and it's hard to fault him for that. Yeah, and what I like about the shift to the analytic approach, uh, first of all, just from a consuming UNC baseball media standpoint, uh, they do StatCast data on the home runs uh, on Twitter, which I think is awesome. Um, but then you've seen kind of in Fox's lineup construction where a guy like Sabato, you know, used to be, okay, let's put him in an RBI spot. Let's put him in the four or five hole in the lineup. Okay, Bush is, you know, kind of a power guy, um, not as much of a contact guy. Let's put him in the three spot. Um, he's really kind of gone to the approach where he's basically throwing guys in the lineup based on OBP, which – you know, at the end of the day, you want to get the guys who get on base the most at bat. So I think there's something to be said for the uh, philosophical shift, and it does make for a more appealing product, even though it looks weird sometimes on the field. Um, but that's probably enough about Mike Fox and his philosophies that we're probably talking out of our asses <laughs> about, right? That's probably about right. We probably have no idea what we're talking about. So we look forward to someone setting, setting the record straight for us. Absolutely. Do so in the comments or while you're leaving a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this. But, Jake, there is another side of the bracket. Um, I am not able to access Liberty Stats. Um, I think I've It's really to tough. Pay- I got some for you, though. I've, I've got to pay some tithings to get behind that paywall, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, got to go to church this Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. Um <laughs> Start, starting with uh, Tennessee, they've got uh, Alaric Solari and uh, Andre Lucius, who really kind of seem to be the two guys that carry their offense. Um, both of them OPSing over a thousand, um, along with, well, I guess it's Lipschitz, but then uh, Lipschitz has a brother, Luke Lipschitz, who uh, is OPSing eleven fifty three as well. So I mean, you know, three really key guys in their lineup. Other than that, you know, I mean, they're all in the seven hundreds or a little bit lower than that, but. What can you tell me about the Tennessee Vols? Uh, two things. You hit on one guy to watch, uh, and that's uh, Alaric Solari. Um, and I think I'm saying that wrong, so uh, I apologize yeah, if any of his family definitely. members are listening. Um, but uh, he was named first team All ACC, uh, SEC. Apologize for that slip. Uh, first team All SEC, uh, and with the 66 hits, 49 runs, 11 home runs, 45 RBIs, he's kind of just the total package. It doesn't do anything phenomenally but does everything really, really well and very consistent. Uh, he's reached base safely 16 of the last 17 games, so he's just a model of consistency. Um, and, and he's the guy who I think is going to key that offense. They have some other they have some other capable players, but but he's the one who's really going to get them going, I think. But over on, if you go over to the mound, uh, what's really interesting to me, and I was scrolling through, uh, they have what I believe is six relievers who have pitched more than 10 games this year. Um, I'm sorry, five, six. No, I'm right, six. Um, and all of them have an ERA under three. So um, there's Redmond Walsh, Richard Jackson, Camden Sewell, Elijah Pleasance, Sean Hunley, Will Heflin, and Andrew Schultz. Um, and I believe that's actually seven, six or seven. Bottom line, there's a lot in that bullpen that has a lot of experience this year that are either the midweek starter or their go-to bullpen uh, matchups. <laughs> that have been lights out more or less. Um, interestingly, none of their start, none of their key starters has an ERA below three. So I would say if you tag them early, then you have an opportunity then to, to, to blow it open because you, you're the chances of North Carolina hitting them late and making the late run if they need it are going to be, are going to be small with the way Tennessee uses their bullpen. Um, and, you know, Tennessee was only ninth in the SEC 
but the SEC got 10 bids. So it's not, you know, they, they finished at 14 and 16 in that conference, but that's, that's misleading. Um, when you, when, when you're, when your conference gets 10 bids, you're in a loaded conference. And to have that many relievers pitching that well with that low of an ERA, um, it, it, I think they are a sneaky matchup that could cause some serious problems. Yeah, and if you look at it, they, they had 10 shutouts over the course of the year. Um, a lot of those did come early, but, you know, they got swept at Arkansas, who's number six in the country at the time. Um, one, two out three against Florida, two out three against number 15 Ole Miss. Swept Kentucky on the road, uh, one, two out three from number two Georgia at home. Uh, lost two out three to Mississippi State, lost two out three to number four Vanderbilt, one, two out three against number 24 South Carolina. I mean, the SEC was, you know, the, the ACC has had a couple of years where they've been the best conference here recently. The SEC was just an absolute murderer's row this year. And Tennessee caught the brunt of it with Georgia kind of being back on the upswing, Vanderbilt being just a freaking juggernaut. And, you know, even Florida in a down year has still been the best college baseball program over the past five years. So, I mean, just an absolute, you know, I mean, ten, Tennessee kind of terrifies me for the interest of uh, this bracket. What do you know about Liberty, and do they pose a threat to Tennessee to where maybe the Heels don't even see the balls in that bullpen? So a team like Liberty, and this is where it gets interesting when you're talking about a mid-major, because in a double elimination tournament, anybody can win on any given day, right? And yeah. Liberty, well, they or have in their, baseball altogether. Exactly. And and Liberty, um, they have the Atlantic Sun player of the year uh, as well. So there's and UNC Wilmington had the CAA player of the year, so there's a lot of players of the year in the you know, on, on the bottom half of this bracket. But Jonathan Embry, uh, he hit three eleven, he hit ten home runs, forty two RBI, uh sixty nine hits, nice. But it's just nice. really tough to uh to, to know what you're gonna get with these guys. And what needs to be said though is Liberty went into the A Sun. It was their first year and, uh, they, they won the tournament. They took the second seed and won the tournament, uh, playing effectively. It's think of it like playing up a conference because your first year in a conference, you're usually moving up. You don't move down. You don't move laterally. Uh, so they went in, they took second there. Um, and they won the tournament and their pitching staff is not egregious either. Um, I would expect them to probably run out Andrew. I believe it's McInville. Um, McInvall, McInvaley, something like that. But he started 16 McElvain. games. He, I like it. I'll take that too. He started 16 games, uh, 3.25 ERA. He was 10 and 2. Um, you know, 38 walks to 97 strikeouts. So, uh, he can, he can probably throw a little bit of heat there, but that's, that's roughly a three to one, uh, strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, and if, if Tennessee, you know, if they struggle early or if they get tagged early, they, you know, maybe they clinch up. Maybe Liberty, Liberty's not going to be scared either. That's the thing with them is they've beaten, they lost to Tennessee earlier, but they beat Carolina once this year. They beat Wake. They beat Duke. They beat Virginia, I think, maybe Virginia Tech. So they ran through the ACC and got some key wins uh, as well. So they're not going to be intimidated when, when they take on Tennessee. And they probably will be looking for a little bit of, a little bit of revenge for that early season loss. So overall, I mean, you know, it, to me, it feels like a balanced bracket to where Tennessee, had they not exited so early in the SEC tournament, could have been in line for a national seed. Uh, Liberty, obviously outplaying their division and, uh, UNCW, you know, the CAA champs for what that's worth or not worth. It, it almost feels like UNC is probably, um, 
I mean, just based on their late run playing a little bit above their head. So it feels like a very uh, balanced bracket, which you'll have when you have the 14th national seed versus, like, the second or something. You think UNC gets out of uh, Chapel Hill alive? The What gives me hope for UNC is that they're, they're riding high. Uh, I think momentum counts for something. I think that's important. Um, but the other part uh, with, with UNC is that when, when you're at home with a regional, it's just a little bit easier. There's a little bit less pressure, it feels like. And these guys, most of these guys went to Omaha last year, so they've been here. They've done this. Tennessee hasn't been uh, to the regional since 2005, which I was shocked whenever I read that. That's, what, 14 years since they've last been? Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Wilmington, I think they're going to be riding high in emotion, but – uh, and they, but they've never made a super regional. Uh, and then you have Liberty. Um, and you know, they can be dangerous, but I don't know if they can put four games together or three games together. So I feel good about it. Uh, I feel much better than I did, uh, a, a week ago. Um, which I think is an obvious, obvious statement. But the other thing with, with North Carolina right now too is, uh, you can't underestimate, and I, I briefly touched on it. You just can't underestimate the experience they bring. Um, and, once you go through it once, it gets easier and easier. And so I, I, there, I think there's still enough talent on this team that remembers two years ago in Davidson as well, and they're not going to let that happen again. Yeah, and you've got guys like uh, Joey Lancelotti coming out of the pen who can give you multiple innings kind of in a fireman role. Um, you've probably got the deepest lineup in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And, well, at least in, in this regional. So I, I think UNC is probably the favorite. I would call them a slight favorite, um, if for no other reason than – you know, with Tennessee's bullpen, it kind of favors a tournament format like this where you can just throw out guys who do have, you know, decent stuff, good ERAs, and um, the experience of pitching in the SEC all season. So I, I think, you know, my my heart says UNC. My head kind of says Tennessee coming out of this bracket. But um, we'll go with the heart and we'll look ahead. Uh, what, what else <laughs> – what else jumped out at you uh, from the uh, rest of the seedings? Uh, if UNC wins, they would likely go to Atlanta and play Georgia Tech, where uh, I believe the Heels lost two of three earlier this season. Um, but Auburn, Coastal Carolina, and uh, Florida A&M are in that bracket. Coastal Carolina obviously had the magical run a few years ago. Auburn, not quite uh, the Auburn of last year, but still pretty good. Yeah, I'm not real thrilled with the possible trip down to Atlanta for Georgia Tech. Um, but it feels like they, it feels like the, the committee paired a lot of like conferences together this year for the super regionals, maybe to get more of a flavor when they get to Omaha of, of, of different, of different conferences. I don't know. Um, you know, that should be worrisome because North Carolina struggled on the road this year. Um, I think they were one or two games under 500, so they didn't light the world on fire. Um, you know, and, you know, they, they jumped out of the gate 12 and 1, and then they promptly were swept at Clemson. They dropped two of three at, uh, Pittsburgh late in the year. They dropped two of three at Georgia Tech. So they've not been a strong road team. So I'm going to be pulling for Auburn and hoping, uh, North Carolina can, can steal a, a super regional. Um, and if we're going to say that Tennessee is, is a threat to North Carolina, then we have to say Auburn is a threat to Georgia Tech based on, you know, just based on, on, on the conferences that we talked about. Um, well, based, yeah, based on exactly the same analysis we just made. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. Auburn finished ahead of Tennessee this year, right? Uh, by one spot. But I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna use Tennessee, uh, if we're gonna use that as a strength for Tennessee, then I think that it's fair to, to not be surprised if it's a strength for Auburn. Um, and, uh, that's kind of where I fall on that. But I, if it, if we, if North Carolina has to go back to Georgia Tech, 
Um, yeah, they're riding hot. They've got some momentum potentially, but that's, you know, they've just not been a road team this year and that should cause, uh, that, that should be a cause for some concern. Well, at the end of the day, like you said, they, uh, in a tournament setting, you know, you don't, you maybe don't have all of the uh, season ticket holders there. Uh, they did just go win, uh, four games in a row in Durham. So maybe in a tournament setting, UNC does have that experience where they can go ahead and pull some things off. But it is interesting to see how the regionals are paired is five of eight regionals, uh, if seeds held would be conference matchups. Yeah. I cannot believe that that was not intentional. I mean, that, 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 that just feels like a, a job by the committee to make sure they get as much opportunity for diversity at Omaha as possible. Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at a Pac-12 team out of the 116. You're looking at another Pac-12 team at 11 in Stanford. But other than that, I mean, Louisville ECU is not a conference matchup. Vanderbilt, West Virginia is a regional matchup, if not a conference one. But then, Georgia LSU, Arkansas Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, UCLA, Oregon State, and the Tar Heels and Georgia Tech. So, yeah, it would be hard to say that, uh, you know, they're not looking for a situation where there are uh, five SEC teams in there, for example. Yep, I concur. Yep. Well, Jake, um, if we talked any more, we would be talking completely out of our asses here. So I would say that's our – Baseball regional preview for the time being. Uh, maybe we'll double back when UNC wins the thing next week. I like it. We'll circle back and, and preview when they when they're hosting a super regional against Auburn. That's kind of where I figure if you if you believe it, then you can achieve it, and that's that's gonna be my mindset for the next week. I love it, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just circle hosting the super regional against uh, maybe Coastal or uh, Florida A and M instead. <laughs> but I like it. That's good too. Even better. Yeah, but sometimes you gotta be battle tested going into Omaha. Um, sometimes going ahead and just winning five straight is the better approach, but, uh, either way, I look forward to seeing the heels back in Omaha. So Jake, what do you have coming to tarhillblog.com where you are an esteemed staff writer for the site, uh, this week? Uh, I actually am, uh, writing the preview for the regional, which should drop by the time or shortly after this drops. Um, that'll be coming out Thursday afternoon. I'm sorry, Wednesday afternoon. We were recording this on Tuesday. Tuesday. So yeah. Yeah. So, uh, pretty Wednesday much simultaneous. Great, great, uh, yeah, great synergy yeah, just to, there. <laughs> just, just a quick, uh, what to know and who to know down and dirty. Uh, and then I am, I may start a player by player a preview for basketball over the summer, kind of like what we did last year. Um, still working that out, but I may, I may take that on as a, as a weekend project as well. So, uh, but immediately read the baseball preview and get help, get, get piped, get piped. I mixed up hyped and pumped. So get piped if you want to, or get humped, whatever you prefer, uh, and get ready for baseball this weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I have no follow up there. Um, get humped if that's what you're into, get piped. Uh, that's, that's suggestive content. I might have to throw the E rating on this one. As for me, Chad underscore Floyd on the Twitter. Uh, we're going to hopefully come back with kind of a basketball grab bag later this week. Uh, we've got Jalen Wilson coming for an OV. We've got God knows what else. I don't know. Uh, Kobe White and Nasir Little at the NBA Combine. Seems like a good time for that uh, as we go into the absolute valley of the uh, football offseason. 
but it is almost time for me to crack my knuckles and get started on opponent previews again. So maybe next week we'll have that to look forward to. But until then, please go subscribe. Subscribe on your girlfriend's phone. Subscribe on your kid's phone. Subscribe on your mom's phone, your dad's phone. Leave a five-star review on all of those. It really helps us out uh, with the numbers so we can bring some people who know more about UNC baseball than uh, Jake and I onto the podcast. And until the, until next time, go Heels.